Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, We're in a series called The Twelve. We're studying the disciples, the apostles, who chose, or actually Jesus chose them to follow him. And these were 12 ordinary people who God did extraordinary things through. And what we're really doing is diving into their lives and discovering what can we take from, from, what, from what they learned when they walked with Jesus for th- those three and a half years. What can we take from their lives and apply to our lives? And how can, how can that change us? And last week I spoke on the Apostle Peter. And if you didn't hear that last week's message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it online on our website. But this week, I just decided that we're going to have to extend Peter for one more week. Is that okay? So we're going to go to an extended second week on the Apostle Peter. As I shared last week about Peter, that he found courage in Jesus. He found forgiveness in Jesus. He found purpose in Jesus. And it begs the question for each and every one of us, where do we find our courage? Where do we find our forgiveness? Where do we find our purpose in our life? It's opposite from a worldly perspective where many times we try to find purpose and forgiveness and courage from in this world, from within this world system that we live in. We try to find it there. For example, from a world's perspective, and I'm just going to digress back to last week's message for just a minute, and then we're going to go into a new message, and I'm going to try to do it all in the next 26 minutes, okay? So just pray for me right now. But... It's opposite from a worldly perspective where we try to find purpose and forgiveness and courage from this world's systems. For example, from a world's perspective, purpose is many times found in your career. Right? Through your schooling. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a career. There's, in fact, I'd be disappointed with you if you did not. But the problem is so many times in our lives what, we happen, what happens is we elevate our career over Jesus. And so what happens is that becomes a higher purpose than Jesus. And that can never happen in our lives as a follower of Jesus. Our number one purpose in life is to be a follower of Christ. Say that. I need to be a follower of Jesus. From a world's perspective, you find courage from within. Maybe you had a grandfather who had great courage and and you relied on his courage and, and you dig deep inside of your life to find that courage. But the Bible says that we're to find courage in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That is where we find power and courage through Jesus Christ. And from the world's perspective, and I'm sharing this because this is what Peter found in his own life. From the world's perspective, forgiveness deals with mostly learning to forgive others for wrongs they've committed against you. And that's good. In fact, the Bible tells us that we need to do that. But finding forgiveness for for yourself or for myself is what I see the world's perspective is lacking. Because it's mostly ignored. And I want to go somewhere before we go into my main message here. The world focuses on self-forgiveness. Having self-compassion by choosing to honor yourself over your mistakes. It's finding a place in your heart to forgive yourself. And that sounds good. Man, you just need to forgive yourself. You know, you can't just keep beating beating yourself up over the situation. You just need to learn how to forgive yourself. And it sounds good. But self-forgiveness unchecked potentially leads to acceptance of bad behavior and, and can reduce your empathy towards others. 
Let me explain. Let me just explain this thought because I think Peter discovered this. Think about Peter when he denied Jesus three times. Jesus, I will never deny you. Before the night's done, he denies Jesus three times. Do you think that self-forgiveness would have set Peter free? Do you think that, man, you know, I just need to learn to forgive myself. It's all good. You know, I do so many great things. You know, I can't worry about the hurt maybe I caused Jesus. I can't worry about the things, that, the cost that I've done or, or about the hurt I've imposed. See, I think eventually if we followed on that line, it leads us into a narcissistic and selfish attitude in our lives. As Peter, I believe we all are seeking forgiveness from our Creator, even if we don't realize it. Because most of us recognize our deep imperfections. And trying to just forgive those by ourselves is really difficult, if not impossible. To ignore our imperfections, to ignore those wrongdoings, is to ignore the great forgiveness from a higher power than ourselves. We need to find forgiveness from God. We need to accept the forgiveness that Jesus provided on the cross. Otherwise, what happens, we walk through life missing out on the greatest love, the greatest acceptance, and the greatest validation that has ever been offered to mankind. Jesus Christ. We see in today's culture People who are seeking for acceptance, seeking for validation, but they seek the acceptance and validation from the wrong sources, and consequently, they're left empty-handed and without hope. They think they're finding something in this world system, but all of a sudden, it just disappears. It's because they're not searching in the right place, and his name is Jesus. We can't find life's answers in ourselves. We find life's answers in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus makes it so clear. He answers this when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Makes it really clear you can't argue with those words if you're a follower of Jesus. The hearing of this truth, I believe, changed Peter's life. Because Peter probably heard those words spoken right from the lips of Jesus. Can you imagine being there with Jesus? I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father. When Peter heard those words, I believe it was transformation. Peter recognized his life was being transformed daily by the power of Jesus. And the transformation started the first day he met Jesus and continued until he took his last breath. Peter is a great example of how Jesus continually works in us and changes us into his likeness. Remember the day Peter first met Jesus. I talked about it last week. Jesus said when he met, when Andrew brought his brother Peter into the room and, and, and Jesus met him for the first time, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And Peter means rock. It's a, it's, it's a significant name. It means rock. It means stone. As I shared last week, Simon was outspoken, strong-willed, impulsive. And we see in Scripture he was good at making promises, but not always good at keeping them. He was good at making promises, but not always good at keeping them. He's that kid in school, when you went to school, and the teacher asked for a project that he wanted someone to do or a task. And that kid, let me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And the teacher finally picked that student. But the student would never follow through, and you're sitting in class. Why does that teacher always pick that student? 
Sometimes Peter, he wanted to be the leader, but sometimes he lacked the character at times in his life. But Jesus sees the potential in Simon and gives him a new name to strive towards. You, I am going to call you Peter, stone, a rock. Peter would eventually become dependable, unwavering, and vigilant. A leader that others wanted to follow. Brett and I went out golfing on Friday. Uh, he hasn't been out for a while. You've been seeing his He's had tendonitis in both of his wrists. And so we've been, our game for four or five months hasn't been playing golf. So he went out on Friday with me and we were having a blast out at San Clemente. Paired up with this other guy, just a kick in the pants. He was a great guy. And he was funny. He was just so funny. We were out there golfing him. And uh, Brett comes up to this one hole. And, uh, and Brett will do this at times. He'll come up to this hole. And this, this other guy and me, we drove off with our three wood. And some of you are going, Pastor Tom, I don't care about your golf. Anyhow, we drove off with a three wood because we knew that if you took a driver, you could drive right through the fairway. And so uh, we did that. And then Brett, who drives longer than I do, he all of a sudden, he brought out his uh, driver. I'm going, what are you doing bringing out a driver? Because you'd have to really bend this. And he goes, ah, oh. he walks up there, he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast this right down the middle of the fairway. And he goes up, he gets on the, on the tee box, and he just smacks it. And, and this beautiful draw right down the center of the fairway. You can't get, I mean, it, and the guy started laughing. He's like, I love the confidence you have, how you just walk up to the tee box and call out the shot that you're going to try to do. And Brett had some kind of response similar to goes, so, you know, sometimes you just need to call it out what you want. Jesus looked at Peter. He said, you might be called Simon, but you don't understand. Today, as I meet you, I see something different in you. I'm going to call you Peter. Because guess what? I see a man that's going to lead the church. I see 12 disciples that I'm going to call upon that are going to blaze through the church for the church history. They're going to do, they're going to share the gospel. And today, I call you Simon. I call you Peter, the rock. Sometimes you just need to call out what you want. That's what Jesus was doing with Peter. Peter struggled with stability, but Jesus gave him a name to strive towards. Jesus is calling it out. At times, Jesus still referred to Peter as Simon, mostly to remind Peter to stop thinking from an earthly perspective. You'll read this as you read through the Gospels. You read, you'll see in Luke 22 when Jesus speaks to Peter about his betrayal. How does Jesus respond to Peter? He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. When he was talking about when all of a sudden Simon's going to deny who Jesus was. He uses his birth name. And when Jesus asked the disciples, if you remember the story, when they go into the garden of Gethsemane on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus asked his disciples to pray with him. And if you remember the story in the Bible, none of them could stay awake. They all fell asleep. Here Jesus is about ready to be crucified. He's literally praying and he's sweating. It says in the scriptures, literally his sweat has mixed blood in it as well because there's so much anguish in his life. And he just wants them to pray with him. And they can't make it through the night. And and Jesus responds to Peter when he, he finds them all asleep. He says, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. Catch this last line. 
For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Anybody can relate to that? For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How many times in our life that our spirit is willing, but man, our body, our flesh gets in the way and it becomes weak. You see, Jesus knows our difficulties. He knows our struggles. That's why he died on the cross to, find, to give us the grace and the forgiveness of, of sin so that we can start turning, learning how to walk away from sin and enter into a new life that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Peter did it. He chose to walk away from the things of the past and he grabbed a hold of Jesus and continued to move forward. I love this Bible story. I am so grateful that God included this Bible story in the word of God because guess what? It relates to me. It displays our struggles between our earthly flesh and our spiritual being. Even Peter recognized this going on, this ongoing transformation in his own life. When he refers to himself in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says this letter is from Simon Peter. He uses his birth name, and then he uses the name that Jesus gave him. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He refers to both of his given names. It's important to remember as we follow Jesus, our lives are continually being transformed in his power. I want to give you three character traits that were, that were transformed in Peter's life. And maybe one of these traits is something that you struggle with and you go like, I need to hear this. I want you to take away whatever God's word is speaking into your life today. I want you to take it for yourself. I want you to walk with it in faith. The three things, the first one is this. In Peter's life, something that was transformed a character trait was submission. Submission. Peter early on struggled with submission. He seemed to always want control of every situation. Peter was, remember, Peter was the one that who rebuked Jesus. Wow. He rebuked Jesus. Peter was the one who cut off the soldier's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus. He cut off the soldier's ear. It was Peter who didn't want Jesus to wash his feet when Jesus started to, no, not, not I. You can't wash my feet. Submission wasn't easy for Peter. But catch this thought. Great leadership requires the willingness to submit to authority. Great leadership requires the willingness to submit to authority. Submission is, an, is the act of surrendering your desires for a greater purpose. It's a character that seems to be missing in today's culture. The idea of surrendering our rights, our freedoms, our dreams for a greater cause, that just, thinks, that, that just seems unfathomable to most of us. You want me to do what? You want just me to surrender my rights, my freedoms? We live in a culture where my rights... My freedoms, my dreams are priority. Me, me, me. It doesn't matter if my rights and freedoms hurt others who are innocent. It doesn't matter. It only matters that I have the freedom of choice. And I know that we live in a country built upon freedom. But freedom without submission only leads to destruction. Freedom without submission, if you're not willing to submit to authority, it only leads to destruction. When we're not willing to submit to the authority of God, it will only cause destruction in your life. Submission to what is righteous is where freedom is truly found. I'm going somewhere. Just follow along with me. The Bible states these words in James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Struggling with emptiness and bondage? Feeling like life has no purpose and no meaning? Maybe you're submitted to the wrong authority. Yeah. 
Maybe it's time to say, you know what? I'm going to stop submitting my se- to myself. And I'm going to start giving my submission to God. Peter learned this valuable lesson when he chose to submit his life to Jesus. Listen to Peter's words. He says, live as people who are free. Catch this line. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I could preach a whole message right there. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Peter discovered true freedom is found when submitted to God's authority. And from that day forward, guess what? Peter did everything in his ability to put Jesus as number one in his life. The word translated servant in the Greek is the word doulos in the Greek. And it means to be enslaved. It, it really has this idea of a bond servant. It's not the slavery that we tend to think about in America where you're involuntarily enslaved by another force. That's not that type of slavery. It's the idea of a servant or a slave who, who voluntarily says, I'm going to serve you. It's, a, it's the idea of a bond servant. Someone who owes their life to another and is willing to freely submit themselves to their authority. One of my favorite movies is The Count of Monte Cristo. Has anybody ever seen that movie? I love the movie The Count of Monte Cristo. It's awesome. And if you remember, there's a scene in that that movie, Edmond Dantes. He's on the beach and he's literally having to fight this other pirate guy. And I think his name was Jacopo or something like that. And he was on the fight with them, and, and, and Edmund actually go, gets him down on the beach, and he has the opportunity to kill him, and he chooses not to do so. And from that day forward, Jacopo, he says, you know, from this day forward, I will serve you all the days of your life. I'm going to serve you no matter what. He was a bondservant to Edmund. You see, something happened in Peter's life. Where all of a sudden Peter recognized that it was Jesus who was rescuing him from his sins, rescuing him from his life. And from that day forward, he says, I am a slave to you, Jesus. I'm a bondservant. I freely choose to follow you wherever you will go. I'm going to follow you. Jesus, or Peter proclaimed the goodness of Jesus through his preaching, through his life, through his death. In fact, Peter begins his letter in 2 Peter chapter 1.1. I just shared this earlier. Simon Peter, a slave, that word doulos, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter was not perfect. We've already established that truth. But Peter was striving to serve Jesus by bringing the good news of Jesus everywhere he went. I believe those words that Jesus shared with him on that beach, on the Sea of Galilee, on that day after Jesus had resurrected and Jesus was trying to restore Peter back into full, kind of commissioning Peter back into his ministry, back into his service. I think those, those words never left Peter's ears where he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter responded, you know that I love you, Jesus. Three times these words kept on going and three times Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter submitted to the Lord's request. He submitted to a higher authority. Second character trait we see developed in Peter's life is this, humility. As we already know, Peter didn't start off with a lot of humility. He was bold, he was brash, he was really on the verge of arrogance at some times in his life. Humility wasn't natural for Peter, and sometimes for some of us, humility is just not a natural thing that we have in our life. Yet we see throughout Peter's life the different failures 
that happen. And I hate failure. How many like to fail here today? Anybody like to fail? Raise your hand. I hate failing. But sometimes failure is the best thing for my life. Because what happens is when I fail, and it's not that I try to fail, it's not that I want to fail, but what happens when failure takes place in my life, guess what? Humility sets into my life, and that's a good thing to have. Humility wasn't natural for Peter, but the failures brought that about. In leadership, it's easy to allow the praise of people, and I want you to catch this. In leadership, if you're a leader here today, if you're leading some, it's easy to allow the praise of people to slowly become a pride that becomes your downfall. It's why it's so important that we need to learn the difference between God-confidence and self-confidence. God-confidence and self-confidence. As a follower of Christ, so many times what we think is the self-confidence. We need more self-confidence. We need more self-confidence. We need more self-confidence. But what is self-confidence? It's relying on who? Self. Peter, man, he just started discovering you know what? It's not working. I've been trying to rely on myself. It's not working. You see, God confidence is relying on the spirit of God, the power of God to work through my life, creating environments to see what God can do in and through me. That's what it's all about. Man, amen, Pastor Tom. That was good. Thank you. I just need a little bit of that feedback from my own pride. No, I'm just teasing. As a follower of Jesus, we need to discover how to rely Less on self and more on God. Peter was self-confident when he told Jesus, I will never deny you. Self-confidence. When Jesus declared his own death and resurrection, Peter was still self-confident and rebuked Jesus' words. When, when Jesus was saying, guess what? I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be resurrected. Peter says, no, no, this will never happen to you, Jesus. And that's when Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because this is the will of God for my life. Yet Peter's life, even though he kept on struggling with self-confidence, Peter's life was being transformed by the power of God. And, be, and Peter kept on becoming more and more and more reliant upon Jesus. Listen to Peter's words. I want to read you a passage of scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. Peter writes, and all of you, listen, this is Peter. And all of you, he's writing this to believers who are followers of Jesus, Jewish and Gentile believers. And all of you. Dress yourselves in humility. This is Peter writing these words. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Peter writing these words. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, not in self-confidence, in God-confidence. I'm just adding that. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That was Peter's words. His words display humility, patience, trust, and strength. Peter's finally realizing that his strength doesn't come from self, but that his strength comes from God. And that's a journey for each and every one of us. So I think all of us have to take that journey where we start to realize that, you know what? Self all of a sudden starts to crumble when I just start relying on myself. When I start relying more and more on God, guess what? God is the one that's going to bring me through this life. What a wonderful lesson for all of us to learn. To be willing to, 
to even be willing, and this is something that Peter learned, was even to be willing to suffer for Jesus. How many like suffering for Jesus? Raise your hand. I kind of actually don't mind it. I didn't like it earlier. I'm not asking for it. But if God calls upon my life to suffer for him, I'm starting to understand what, what Peter's words mean. When Peter writes, he writes it this way. Listen to what Peter says. First, first Peter 3.17. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. What a simple statement. What a wise statement. Suffering for what is right is much more righteous and noble than suffering for what is wrong. Have you ever thought about that? In life, you know, we can get behind the wheel of a car after we have been at the bar all night and, and drive drunk and then and hit someone or crash into someone. And guess what? That person that we crash into is going to suffer. And guess what? You're going to suffer, right? You know, you're going to suffer when all of a sudden you decide that, you know what? I want to just go ahead and, I don't know, I, just, I, 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 I don't know why, I cheated on my wife, I cheated on my, uh, my husband. I, I, I just made this decision. I, and, and guess what? It's going to bring suffering into your life when you start making bad decisions in your life that take you down a road of darkness. And why would you want to suffer for your sins when you could choose to suffer for Jesus by doing what is right? See, I would much rather suffer for doing what is right and being ridiculed because, oh, you're one of those Christian guys. Oh, you're one of those Jesus followers. Sign me up. I'll take that suffering because at least I'm suffering for what is righteous and what is good and not suffering because of sin in my life. Oh my goodness, someone should say amen. In fact, someone should stand up and shout. Yeah, Pastor Tom. That's what Peter is speaking in this. Why are we wanting to suffer for sin when we can suffer for Jesus? It brings out a whole new idea. Let's be humble and choose what is right. The last character trait that I want to highlight from Peter's life is this, love, love. We talked about submission, we talked about humility, but this was probably the quality that Peter learned the greatest is love. One of the most beautiful stories found in the Bible on love and leadership happens on the night of the Last Supper when all of a sudden they enter into that room, Jesus had it prepared or someone had it prepared and they were going to have the last, the disciples were having the last supper with their Lord and Savior that night. And in Jesus' days, you wore sandals. You wore robes and you walked on streets that most of them weren't paved. Some of them had stones, but a lot of them were dirt. And your feet would get dirty and your feet would get dusty. And so when you go in to eat, not only did you wash your hands, but usually there was a servant there that would actually wash your feet before you got to your meal. But on this night, there was no one there to wash their feet. And none of the disciples volunteered to do the, pro the, the job. I mean, that's kind of demeaning to go and wash someone's feet. Guess who signed up for the position? Jesus. He puts a towel around his waist. He ties it around his waist. And he goes to each and every one of his disciples. And he kneels down and he bends. And he starts to wash their feet. And then he starts, this is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And he starts to dry off their feet. I mean, I'm imagining that there is completely silence in the room. What is Jesus doing right now? I mean, it's Jesus. I don't want to rebuke Jesus like Peter did because, man, when Peter get behind me, Satan, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that dumb. But what is Jesus doing? 
And then when Jesus comes up to Peter, and he, all of a sudden he kneels at Peter's feet and he begins to, he wants to watch. Peter, Peter replies these words. You can find the whole story in John chapter 13. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus responds to Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And then Peter goes through the whole thing. Well, wash my head, wash everything I have. And, and Jesus goes, no, 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 you don't, we don't have to do all that. We don't have to do all that. But that day, Peter discovered love. A love that he had never experienced before in his life. He experienced an unconditional love, a sacrificial love from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many times when we serve in leadership roles, we have the tendency to forget about people. Even pastors do this. We start to see people as an ends to a mean. We become result-oriented instead of people-oriented. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't serve with excellence. Jesus did everything with excellence. But it means that we can never negate the more important purpose of displaying God's love to all people. On that Passover night in the upper room, Jesus displayed what true leadership was all about. It wasn't about being served. It was about serving others with love. It brings perspective to Jesus' words when he says, Simon, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. Then feed my sheep. It was on that same night, Passover night, that Jesus shared a new commandment. Sorry. To his disciples in John chapter 13. How can we say we have the love of Christ in us if we're not willing to sacrifice and serve others? And Jesus shares these words to his disciples. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We don't need a church that tries to get in riots and defensive. We need a church that loves. Peter took this on in his own life. He grabbed a hold of this truth and he walked forward with it in all of his life. Peter might have understood, every, understood everything that night. But as Peter continued to walk with Christ, everything started to be revealed. How do we know this? I'm so glad that you asked. Peter wrote two books in the Bible, First and Second Peter. They were letters to believers. Listen to First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It's really a pillar of his book. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Peter's words can also be, tra- be translated above all things. It shows that love was the number one priority in Peter's life, was not only to love Jesus, but was to love others. And that translation of of deep love can also be translated fervent love, meaning a love that is stretched. That's what it actually means. You look at the word, it says stretched. A love that is stretched. It's intense. It's a love that Jesus showed us when he put his arms out on the cross and were nailed. It's a love that stretches for mankind. Peter needed this type of love. 
Because Jesus asked Peter to do some things that he, I don't know that he was able to do without the love of Jesus. See, Peter's love would be stretched as Peter became influential in bringing the gospel, not to only the Jewish people, but Peter opened up the door of the gospel to the Samaritans and to the Gentiles, to all mankind. My question for you today is this, who is God calling you to love? Is God asking you to stretch your love? Sometimes we we walk around like this. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And Jesus says we need to start walking around like this. Are you willing to stretch out your love for others? Like Peter, we must be willing to lay down our prejudices, our offenses, for the cause of introducing people to Jesus. Let's you and I follow Peter's example. Let's display the love of God to all people that we encounter. Watch what God will do through your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that your word penetrates our hearts and our lives. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that I felt so present in our worship, in our service today. Your presence is here. And Lord, I pray today for those who maybe are struggling in certain areas of their life, whatever it might be. Maybe they're struggling with a character flaw. <laughs> they can't forgive. Or, or maybe, maybe they, they're having a struggle with love. Or maybe they're having a struggle with humility. Whatever it might be. Just as Peter, he was so human. He was so, his flesh was right there on the surface. And yet, Lord, you took each and every one of those disciples, including Peter, and you used him for your glory. God, I pray that for each and every one of us here today. For someone that's sitting here right now that's feeling hopeless, Lord God, I pray that you instill hope into their lives, that they understand that, that you have created them, that they are a child of you. For Lord, those who are struggling with unforgiveness right now, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that that same forgiveness that you gave them would be the same type of forgiveness that would well up into their hearts for others. Lord, lead us and guide us. Direct us in our life. Help us to do what is right. Help us to do what is good. Lord, we love you today. And as you walked with Peter each and every day, God, I pray that you walk with each and every one of us and show us your love, your faithfulness, your goodness, your grace each and every day of our life. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God loves you. He does. He loves you with all of his heart. He died for your sins. Don't reject the love of Christ. Today I pray that you would accept his love, find forgiveness, move on with God, and watch what he'll do in your life. Don't forget our church picnic today after at 4 o'clock at Doheny Beach. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.